0: We've been going through the different virtues or the different topics in 2 Peter 1 and verses 5 through 7. It gives us a list of things to add to our faith. So once we are saved, once we know for sure that we're on our way to heaven, we've trusted Christ as our Savior, gives us, it gives us a list of things to add to our faith. We're on the last one now, which is charity or Um, love and we are going to be talking about as the uh, title slide says love stops we're going to be talking about the topic of love today christian love agape love okay so we're going to be talking about love stops we're going to be looking at the parable of the good samaritan in luke chapter 10 and verse number 25 But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, When he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Verse 37. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise let's open with the word of prayer father we're so thankful for an opportunity to worship you today lord this story is so clear on what love should do god i pray that you would cleanse me of sin empty me of self and fill me with your spirit lord i pray that you would use your truth to speak to every person who's here Father, if someone's here and they've never yet trusted you as their savior, I pray that they would see how much you love them and that you stopped for them and you want to rescue them. Lord, those of us who are saved, I pray that we would add to our faith charity, this love, this agape love that we see in this story. Lord, I pray you would help us to apply this to our relationships, to our families, Lord, to those at work, Strangers, people that we live nearby, neighbors, God, please help us, we pray. Lord, we love you. Pray that you would give us grace now to grow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This slide is awkward looking. Because love and showing love to someone is awkward, it can feel very awkward, it can feel very unnatural. We see these stop signs all the time uh, around town. And we, we know that when it says stop, we're, we're supposed to follow that traffic law. We're supposed to stop. What we're gonna see here when we look at this story is it was unnatural for someone, the, for the person who did stop, it was unnatural for that person to stop and help this person in need. We're looking at the topic of love. We're looking at the topic of specifically the word charity. When we look in the King James version of the Bible, sometimes the word love is translated into English as the word charity. There are three basic, there are more than three, but the three basic words for love in the Greek New Testament. Don't worry, we're not getting too technical. It's just very basic. Because oftentimes in in English when we say the word love it means a lot of different things. I even took the time to Google the word love, right? And usually when when you just think about it in <clears throat> when you think about it in, in terms of our everyday language, usually love means affection. Like you have affection for that person or you have affection for that thing. I really love coffee. I really love cake. I really love my wife. I really love that activity, whatever it may be, okay? So, but when we're looking, when we're reading in the Bible, we need to understand that when it says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, it's not talking about he had this affection for the world, that he had this feeling for the world, okay? So when we're looking at, when we're taking the time to read through the Bible and we see the word love, we need to really kind of understand what kind of love is it talking about here? So, the first, there's, there's three quick ones. The first one is eros, which is erotic love or sensual love. The next one is phileo, which is brotherly love or like Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love, right? That, that, that's a Greek word. Philadelphia is a Greek word. Um, and this is kind of kindness or the love that we have for, for, for other people or for other Christians or just affection that we may have for another person. Then we get agape love, and this is God's love, and sometimes it's translated as the word charity, okay. Um, and this kind of love is different than the other types of love. Phileo, as I said, means to be a friend to, okay, or to have affection for, and it means you have this feeling for them, right? You've got this, you you, you look at that person, you have feelings for them. And not necessarily romantic feelings, but just you enjoy their company. um, You enjoy talking to them. You enjoy spending time for them, um, with them. Um, But then when we look at agape, agape love is a choice. One, phileo, is of the heart. Okay? Agape is of is decision of the mind. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to repeat that so that so that I don't lose you because I think as soon as I said the word the Greek words some people's minds just start floating off and and about what the rest of the plans are for the rest of the day. Okay, so phileo means feelings from the heart. So what? So so I'm going to ask you to say this. Phileo means heart. Ready? Phileo means heart from the heart. Okay, and agape means from the head. Okay, agape means from the from the head. Head head question mark okay it's a decision it's a decision it's something that you choose to do so again if we were to look at john three sixteen, we know this verse it's a familiar verse for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son it it wasn't as if God, all of a sudden, the world got his attention and he's like, oh, I have this incredible feeling for the world. And the only appropriate response for this feeling is to give my son for the sin. No, no, that's, that's not what happened. He looked at the need of the world, those of us, all of us in sin, both because God exists outside of time, both those when Jesus came, but also... From, from, from Adam all the way to the last person who will ever be born, he looks at everybody and the condition that they're in, and he said, I am going to make the choice of love. Now, let's take a moment as we dig into this, and let's go to 1 John chapter 4, if you have your Bible, please. 1 John chapter 4. Because when we're talking about loving God, loving our neighbor as ourself, we're making a choice. We're not, we're not trying to conjure up a feeling. I go to church when I feel like loving God or when I, when I feel love for God. Well, if you do that, you're not going to come very often. Right? Or I'm going to love, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself when I when I have the feeling to love it, that God's not, listen, God does not command us to have a feeling like this. He says, make the choice. Make this decision. Now, sometimes like in the story of the Good Samaritan, we'll get to that in just a moment. Sometimes what we see does affect our feelings. And isn't it easier to do things when we feel like doing it? I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. It's just us. Of course. It, it absolutely is so much easier to do things when we feel like it. Okay. But God's trying to teach us that when we add to our faith charity or add to our faith agape love, he's really asking us to mature into basically being an adult, a Christian adult, or act like a, an adult Christian where we're choosing to do the thing that we should do because that's what God wants us to do, not because that's what we feel like doing. Oh, please help us. Please help us. And so when we come to God and God says, this is what I want you to do. You need to do this because you love me. He's telling us to make this choice. Now, the amazing thing about God is that when we choose to do the right thing, The feelings will follow. When we choose to do the right thing, the right feelings will follow. But we have to make the choice first. We have to be willing to say, God, this is what you want. I'm going to make this choice and I'm going to trust you to give me these feelings. Now, let's go ahead and let's look at our verses in 1 John chapter 4 and look at verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, all of this, every time it's talking about the word love, it's talking about this word, this, uh, this agape love here. Let us love one another. He's talking to Christians about other Christians. Christians should have love one for another. We should, it doesn't mean every Christian you ever see, you're gonna have this warm, fuzzy feeling for. You're gonna have affection for them. You're gonna be like, man, I just really, really liked them. They're such good people. It's not gonna say that. That's not what it's saying. Is saying you need to have this, you need to have this choice in your mind. I am going to show love to that other person. I'm gonna make this choice toward these other people. I'm going to do this and act this way toward them. And it starts out with, you need to love one another, and then it gives us the reasons why. Alright? Verse 7. Behold, let us love one another. For love is of God. Again, this kind of love where we choose to do the thing God wants us to do, where does this love come from? It comes from God. It doesn't come from us. It comes from him. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. God says, if you are truly born again, this will be inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God can empower you to show God's love towards that person even and especially when you don't feel like it. Even and especially when you don't feel like it. Verse eight, he that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Now notice it doesn't say love is God. That's not the same thing, is it? It says, God is love. This agape love comes from God. This kind of love, he is the source of this. We are not the source. It doesn't naturally reside in, in us. Okay? It's more of a natural thing for us to have this phileo love where we say, oh, I like that person. I And I dislike that person. So disliked people go in this category Liked people go in this category. Matter of fact, isn't that what Facebook does? Honestly, people either get a thumbs up or they get a thumbs down. But what if we were to look at the people that we don't like and we were to still treat them the way God would treat them? Well, it's not natural. It doesn't mean we have affection for them. It doesn't mean we like them. It means we're treating them the way God would treat them add to your faith charity charity add to your faith this kind of love he that loveth not knoweth not god verse 9 and this was manifested now here's a big word manifested means to openly show it's like an open house when did god and how did god openly show his love for us when did that ever happen it may not necessarily happen in your everyday life when you go about your business because bad things happen. And if we're not careful, we will believe the lies of Satan and the opinions of this world that when bad things happen in our lives or bad things happen in the news or bad things happen in your hometown or that person, that person's house just gets crushed by a tornado. Ah, I thought God was love. That doesn't look like love. No, look, let, me, let me tell you something. God's love was openly showed on the cross of Christ. That's what it says here. We cannot judge God if we don't use his word to judge him. This is truth. So it says here, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is another big word. It means the appeasement for our sin or the full payment for our sin. Let me ask you something. If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Or do you have some doubt about that? And usually when I ask that question actually in Toronto when I ask the que- when when I tell people I'm a pastor they automatically start giving me their religious opinion. What they're trying to tell me is I'm a good person because of and they give me the list. Either a religious background, they're this kind of a church member or maybe they're a secular person, but they but they believe this and this and this and this and this. And this. Okay, but we've got to understand it's not me coming up with a way to prove that I'm a good person and you coming up with a way to prove that you're a good person, and then us getting to heaven because we've proven we're good people. Our goodness does not appease God. You ever? How many of you have gotten? A, I think I ask this all the time in the church. I got another parking ticket, guys. You know they're they're coming back. The parking people are coming back from COVID. They're back at work, just to let you know. I parked in the little green P parking behind the stores, and for for months I've been parking back there without paying. Hey, if they're not going to check, I mean, come on, Pastor, you ought to probably. Yeah, you're right. They got me though. Came back from lunch. I had ramen, like the good ramen. Like the, there's a good spot. I'll tell you where it is. Came back from ramen. Me and my wife, kids are at school. We're on a date. It's fantastic. Great lunch date. Amazing. Come back and here's a little yellow present stuck underneath the windshield wiper of my car. Miss Yudit's laughing at me. It's okay. I deserve it. It doesn't matter. Listen. Even with the city, it doesn't matter how much I argue my case, and we've tried. Sometimes they'll cut the bill, they'll take a couple of bucks off, but you're going to pay. There's no such thing as forgiveness in the city of Toronto for parking tickets, right? They Listen, the government has to be appeased. There has to be appeasement. There has to be payment. Before you can be set free. It's the same thing with God. God's not interested in our excuses. He's not interested in us blaming someone else. And he's also not interested in us saying, okay, yeah, I know I'm a sinner and I owe, but here's how I'm going to pay. We cannot come up to the city and say, you know what, I'm going to pay in Bitcoin. You say, what's Bitcoin? I don't know. Nobody knows. It's a thing. I'm going to pay in Monopoly money. (laughs) It's money, right? (laughs) Well, it's only money in Monopoly. It's not money in real life. And listen, when we come to God and we say, I'm a good person, so I, I can go to heaven now. God's like, that's Monopoly money. It works in your world to prove that you're a good person, but it doesn't work in his world. There's one thing that works with God. Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. He himself, the person, Jesus, is the appeasement. He's the payment. He's the payment, not church membership, not baptism, not being a good person, even though all of those things are good things. It's Jesus alone. And if you've never come to Jesus alone and said, you know what, all this other stuff, it's not payment. It won't do anything to get me to heaven. And only you, Jesus, and what you did for me on the cross, and I believe you died on the cross for my sin, And I believe you rose again from the dead, proving that we can put our faith and trust in you. The payment has cleared, right? Don't you wait for that online when you're buying something? You wait until you get that. Yep, payment's cleared. Good. Check out. Yep. That's what the resurrection was. The payment's cleared. You're good to go. And if you trust Jesus, he absolutely will raise you in like manner and take you up to heaven when you die. Absolutely, that's what that means. If you've never done that, you need to do that. We don't know the day that we're gonna die. And after you've trusted Christ as your savior, you've experienced the love of God. Now he teaches us, verse 11, 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, not feeling, even though he does feel for us, that's not, that's not the word. It's a choice. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So let's take a look at this story and then we'll be done. Back to Luke 10. And we'll primarily just stick right here. By the way, looking at these definitions of love really helps me. Because we want to know that we're doing right. We want to know we're doing the right way. So sometimes, sometimes if, we're, if we're thinking when God's commanding us to love him or to love our neighbor, or and we'll look at the verse in a moment, to love our enemies, he's not talking about having feelings towards them. He's saying you need to have the right choices towards them. The story starts out in verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted. Most people are intimidated by lawyers. Jesus was not intimidated by lawyers. Isn't that a blessing? I'm a lawyer. Jesus like, whoa, big deal. Right? And he's, he's tempting him. He's coming and he's trying to test him out. Master, right? That, that, was, a, that was an honorific term. That was a, a term of respect. Rabbi, master. But he's testing him. And this is not to be thought of necessarily in a negative sense. Listen, God, the the truth is not afraid of questions. Jesus is not afraid of your questions. When when people came to Jesus in in, in his ministry in the New Testament, and they said, I have a question, he's like, shoot, let's have a discussion. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3. Jesus had questions for the the, the woman at the well in John chapter number 4. Right here, a lawyer had questions for him. Listen, if you have a question, ask Jesus. Why don't you even really believe in Jesus? Yeah, we'll ask him anyway. There there is nothing that will take you from a skeptic to a believer quicker than just asking him. And knowing that he answered you. Well, pastor said, yeah, okay, that's good. Maybe I'll I'll know the the answer. Praise the Lord for that. Let me tell you something. Why don't you just ask him? And the lawyer comes and he says, I got a question for you. And he comes to him with this question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, do to inherit eternal life. He's asking, what do I have to do? Now, Jesus gives him the answer. Now, we know the answer is trust Jesus for salvation. But this guy's thinking, I think I can do this. (laughs) He's a lawyer, right? He's going to ace this test. Jesus, okay, what do I actually have? to? If I'm going to do this, what do I have to do? I love this when, when, when Jesus answered in verse 26. So you're a lawyer. Now again, he's talking about the, the, the law of Moses. What do you see in the law? What do you see? So what he asked him? Verse 27 answering said, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind." and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, Jesus said that earlier. So maybe he caught that from Jesus, which is fine. Maybe he found that on his own when he was reading the, the, the Old Testament and the law. Either way, Jesus says in verse 28, he said, him, thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. Meaning, if you could perfectly love God, Jesus said this, perfectly love God with all of your, here's the list, heart, soul, strength, Mind and neighbor as yourself, you've inherited eternal life. You've done it. Good job. But here's the thing. And this is what this guy's conscience said to him. Because he comes back to Jesus and he tries to kind of, as it says, he tries to justify himself. Because he knew that he hadn't perfectly done these things. No one can. It's impossible. Verse 29, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, oh, okay, and who's my neighbor? Now, here's the thing about the Jewish people in this time. They, didn't, they knew about these commandments in the Old Testament, about loving your neighbor. But they didn't consider anyone who was not a Jew to be their neighbor, even to the point that if you killed a Gentile, you would not be held responsible As if it were a Jewish person. You'd be held to a higher degree of responsibility in court for killing a Jewish person than a Gentile person. So he asked the question, who's my neighbor? When we want to justify ourselves before God, we try to get pretty tricky, don't we? Well, actually, yeah, but you're talking to the son of God there, Mr. Lawyer. He's going to get you. (laughs) There are no loopholes with Jesus. You can't justify yourself. So Jesus tells him this story. Tells about a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. There's two guys that passed by. One was a priest and one was a Levite. And it's interesting he makes that distinction. The Levite was the tribe and the priest was the occupation. Not everyone who was a Levite in the tribe of Levi was a priest. So the priest would have been both. but But the Levite, too, he was just in the tribe. And it says here in verse number 31, By chance there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, so did he see him? Did he see the guy that got beaten up, bleeding, stripped naked, lying on the side of the road by himself, obviously in distress? Did he see? Did he see him? He saw him. What did he do when he saw the the weak, wounded man? He saw him, and then he passed by on the other side. Lo- listen, listen, love does not avoid the wounded. Love does not avoid the weak. That is selfishness. Oftentimes we think the difference or the opposite of love is hate, but really the opposite of God's love is selfishness. God is love. Now think about this just for a moment. God is love. Not just God the Father, but God the Son is love. And God the Holy Spirit is love. And they have perfect love one for another. Imagine being in a relationship where you admire and love that person so much you would be willing to do anything for them and to please them no matter what. And you love spending time with them. And then they felt the exact same way about you. What an incredible relationship that would be. But then imagine there's three. That is the Trinity. God is love. Allah cannot be loved because there's only one. Who is he loving? The triune God is perfect because every attribute of God can be practiced between the three. And so when it says God is love, God is agape love. He is phileo love. He is love. They are practicing it between them three. But then when he saw us dying in the world because of our sin, he did not avoid us, but instead acted almost as if we were a part of the Trinity. We're not, but it's almost as if he said, no, 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 no. It's not supposed to be like this. I want them to be a part of what we have together. And so that is why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. When he saw us, he had to do something about it. What love? So when we see the weak, and guys, let me just say this. Oftentimes when we read the story of the Good Samaritan, I don't know about you, But me, honestly, I often think of like street people. And I say that in the most respectful way. The people standing on the side of the road, they're begging, they need something. And that's certainly true. But honestly, the people that need for me to act like this are the weaker Christians or the weaker people or someone who's having a weak moment or a bad year, or a bad day, or that person in my family that may not be quite as spiritual, and I say that again in kind of a in a broad sense, maybe they're not following the Lord quite as close. It's people that I actually know. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to try to help this person down there by the street. It's another thing, hey, it's another thing to go back home and see your child or see that person that you love having a weak moment and they lash out. And you realize they probably didn't mean that. But instead of acting the way God would act, you go for it. You lash back. Agape love is not what was happening here with his lawyer where he's trying to justify himself. Agape love stops justifying ourselves and gets involved. Agape love does not have a list of reasons why, like the priest and the Levite, which we don't know their reasons, it just gives them the actions. Avoid. 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 How many of you guys love Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime is amazing. It's improved in Canada. When we first moved here, it wasn't so great. They, I mean, COVID's really helped the Amazon Prime game. If you're unfamiliar, everybody should know what Amazon is. If you don't, I'll explain. It's a website that sells everything, basically. From soap to food to bicycles. I don't, they don't have cars yet, but they probably will eventually. And you go on the app and you put it in there and they give you a list of options. And then if you're an Amazon Prime member, which means you pay a certain amount for a, a year-long membership, or if you have a really good mother, praise the Lord. She's not up there, she's in Ohio. <laughs> she get she she hooked us up a while back with their Amazon Prime. You find something you want and then how many clicks does it take to get it to your door? One click. It's already got your payment information, it's got your address. I was we were joking in our house. It seems like we're always out of silverware. We're always, we've got a bowl of something. We've got food. We've made it. And it's just, the, the, the food's getting cold. Where's the silverware? It's dirty. It's always dirty. that's probably my fault for not washing it. Accept it. And I was joking around with April. That's my wife, April, if you don't know. It would be easier sometimes, lazier, but easier in my mind, to just order a new set of silverware from Amazon and wait for it to come than to get up and wash the old silverware in the the sink. Don't do that. That's lazy. One click. Guys, here's the thing when it comes to showing agape love. We want it to be a one click kind of a thing. We don't really want it to cost us too much. There's not really a whole lot of effort. There's not really a whole lot of of, of, of life change that's happening here. One of the profound things about the story of the Good Samaritan is he didn't just come over and give him a few comforting words and pat him on the head and say, hey, I'm going to call some people, don't worry, and then just kind of leave him. And he didn't just kind of start bandaging him up and leave. He went, He listen, there's not anything else that he could have done. He did everything. He did everything. It goes through and it describes here. It says he had compassion on him. Verse thirty-four. He went to him and bound up his wounds. So he took his own cloth, his own linen, and he and he bound up his wounds. He bandaged him up. The Bible says that he poured in oil and wine, which back then those were medicinals, right? Uh, they would it would kind of keep the he would it would clean the wound out, and then and it would kind of keep it nice and soft, so so uh, it it could close up and it could heal properly set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. That was just the first day. He wakes up the next morning. He's like, here's some money. Take care of him. And, and, and if his bill, if he's not ready to leave yet, and if, and if he's still not healthy, and his bill goes up, don't worry when I come back, I'll pay it. And he leaves. Now, again, here's, here is a Samaritan doing this for a Jewish man. Now, the Jewish lawyer, again, he's, he's high up in the social ranking here. When, when he's asking this question, Jesus is using a Samaritan's actions to teach him what he should be doing. Making a difference is uncomfortable. This Samaritan was the despised one. Jews in this time were viciously racist to where they would not do business with them or even travel through their district. Imagine being so racist that I'm not, I am not even, not only am I not going to talk to them, I'm not going to do business with them, like as if I find out the business is owned by one of them, is what it's saying here. I'm not even going to do, I'm not even, even going to travel through their neighborhood. Not because I'm afraid, but just simply because. I don't like them that much. That's the way Jews and Samaritans treated each other back then. So imagine if you're the Samaritan guy, which by the way, the Samaritans were equally racist against the Jews. They both hated each other. Imagine being the Samaritan guy coming and seeing, ha 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 ha, he finally got it. Right? Again, it's not natural. For love to stop. It's unnatural. And guys, we've got to understand that when we experience God's love in our life through salvation, he expects for us to receive that and then repurpose that and give it out to others. And most of the time, if you want to just get down to it, and this sermon could go on for months. Don't worry, I'm about to wrap it up. Most often, it comes down to whatever is happening in your life, whatever is happening in that moment, whatever that person said, there's a natural reaction. What if that person did to you, there's the suspicion. There's the story that starts going in your head. They didn't respond to my text right away. It's probably because of this, 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 and this. You've got, this whole, you've got this whole dialogue, this whole, this whole miniature movie played out in your mind of why they didn't do it and it's all bad, 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 bad. Boy, if I ever see them again, boy, they're just gonna, and boy, I tell you, right? What does love do? Stops. Love stops and doesn't say that thing. You know, oftentimes in life, we're like the tennis players. And they stand, we're standing there just waiting for somebody to, to give us the shot. I'm just waiting. Boy, I'm telling you what, like a gunfighter in the old way. I'm just waiting. You say that. You give me that look. Boy, I'm telling you what. I'm a Samaritan, and boy, when I see a Jew, let me tell you something. For, I'm just going to get. And you whip it right back, that tennis ball. And you just, right? That's the, hey, that's the natural thing to do. God did not do the natural thing when he saw us as sinners. He did the supernatural thing. And if we're going to show God's love to others, we're going to have to recognize that people are weak. People are bruised. Sometimes it's their fault. In this case, it wasn't his fault. People are battered. People are going to say things to you because they've got something going on inside. People are going to treat you wrong because they've got something going on inside. I heard a preacher say one time that wounded people wound people and healed people heal people. And so many times when someone's trying to wound you, it's because they're wounded. And God doesn't want us to do the natural thing. He wants us to do the supernatural thing. If we would practice this simple principle in our marriages, in our homes, with our children, our parents, aging parents can be a challenge. Amen. Those of you who are the aged parent, when your kiddos start growing up in their 20s and 30s and 40s, They can be a challenge. Going through town, going through life, going through work can be a challenge. What does love do? Love stops. Love does not look for a way to avoid. Love does not look for an excuse. Love says, I see it and I'm going to try to help. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.